baseball, hockey, and soccer knowledge you could ever need. This is The Water Break on 88.9 The Bridge. And welcome in to The Water Break. Every Friday at 3 p.m., the best sports show on 88.9 The Bridge breaks down what all of the sports world's front page news really means. Now, I'm McLean, and I'm happy to be with us. I'm happy to be with you here. And we got a big cast, so we can all say our names. All right, what's up? This is Cy. My name is Harry. I'm Will. And I'm Creed. Yeah, we got uh, five. Harry's our guest, um, and we're really glad to have him. Uh, We're going to get things started, jumping right into our five in five, bringing you news from five sports in just five minutes, starting off with hockey with Will. Yeah, a CHL top prospect game happened a couple days ago on Wednesday. Uh, It was pretty good. Team Rend. Team Red fell to Team White 3-1, to one. Um, but from what we saw for possible Kraken players, I think I was pretty optimistic. Shane Wright netted a goal uh, despite his team losing. Uh, three Seattle Thunderbirds players were selected to this camp, and Spokane goalie Anthony Bopit had a shutout in the small amount of time he played. Goalies are not allotted a whole lot of space because they need to, to cycle a certain number through, uh, but he did quite well in the space he got. Uh, speaking of the Kraken, they pretty much dealt out all their major pieces uh, before the trade line. This is a bit of old news, uh, but they got rid of Johansson, Giordano, and Lazon, uh, among a couple other guys. Uh, picked up a good amount of second picks, so we should be looking for a pretty strong draft, hopefully, uh, in 2022. And the Canucks fell to the Wild in overtime on Thursday night, uh, so the playoff race not looking too great for them. They keep dropping games that they should not be losing, and they're looking a little bit outside of the picture right now. We will go on to basketball with Cy. All right, so in basketball right now, I think the three biggest stories are the Sun securing the number one seed. Devin Booker had a huge performance yesterday night. Um, I think it was 49 points. And Chris Paul also returned to help them get that. And the Bucks are eyeing the number one seed in the East. And uh, additionally, Jason Tatum is climbing the MVP ladder, so it's going to be a tighter race this year than usual. And other than that, I mean, Toronto beat Cleveland yesterday night. So on to McLean for baseball. Yeah, it was a pretty big week in baseball. As the season gets closer, we're hearing a lot more about the roster bubble guys. And one of those roster bubble guys for your Seattle Mariners is super prospect Julio Rodriguez. He spoke to Root Sports on the broadcast yesterday about his stealing habits. This is what he said. Uh, honestly, just when I get to the other bag. So whatever, <laughs> yeah, honestly, whatever, if it's stealing, just in the wild pitch or anything. But I'm always looking for steal. Whenever I get the chance, I always take advantage of it. Glad to see that Julio is going to be running freely this season. Uh, also, around the league, we saw former athletic starter Mike Fires uh, sign with a Mexican baseball league earlier today. Mike Fires is best known 
uh, among the baseball community for blowing the whistle on the Houston Astros sign stealing from the 2017 playoffs. Uh, and it's a guy, you know, it hurts to not see him in the league anymore, but I'm glad his baseball career is continuing. Uh, also, when it comes to the end of MLB careers, uh, veteran reliever Andrew Miller announced that he's hanging him up this year. Uh, Miller was a dominant relief pitcher at his peak. Uh, you might remember him as the fireman for a couple of those Cardinals teams in the early mid-2010s, uh, but his most recent Cardinals stint was uh, less than great. He's more notable because of his uh, off-the-field support of the Players Union and his role in ending the recent lockout. Now, locally, in local baseball, 88.9 The Bridge is going to be broadcasting the MI Islanders game tonight, starting 6 p.m. at Island Crest Park. And we got some of that crew uh, in the house, yeah? That's right. Me and Will will be uh, calling the game. It's going to be the 3-2 and two Islanders facing off against the 5-1 and one Juanita Ravens. 5-1 and one Juanita Ravens. This should be a great game. And those three and two MI Islanders, they are better than their record, right? Definitely. And I think that's one thing I was actually talking with a few guys around the, around the school in the days running up to the game. And they're feeling pretty confident because Juanita has had a relatively soft schedule so far, according to them, uh, including recently they're coming off a 16-8 to win over Mount Vernon. While Mercer Island has played some really tough teams, including notably Seattle Prep, which had a uh, college commit, a D1 commit to UW. Uh, pitching for their starters. So certainly Mercerland is better than their record, and there's a feeling, at least among the players of MI, that uh, Juanita is worse than their record might indicate. Should be a good game tonight. We'll throw it over to Creed with soccer. Yeah, so in soccer this week, we have some really big news. USA tied with Mexico 0-0 yesterday in a really big game. USA currently needs four more points to secure a spot in the World Cup that's coming up in 2022 uh, in Qatar. And... We have two games left. We have a game against Panama on Sunday. If USA wins that, they're in a really great spot to move on to the World Cup. Uh, But as I said before, four points are needed to guarantee it. All right, now on to Will for football. Yeah, uh, it's been a really interesting offseason so far. In a move nobody expected, Tyreek Hill ended up going to the Dolphins. Uh, I certainly could say I didn't really see this coming. I thought for sure he would stay with the Chiefs, try and hunt another ring. Uh, but he will join them in Miami for one of the best wide receiver cores in the league at this point, uh, paired up with Jalen Waddle. Uh Other news around the league, Deshaun Watson was cleared by grand jury in Texas. However, the NFL still has to deal out a punishment to him, so his playtime is not certain for the uh, upcoming season. But as far as free agency is concerned, still a couple of big names to go. Uh, Tyron Matthew, OBJ, notably among them. If Tyron Matthew were to leave the Chiefs, uh, that team could certainly look to take a hit and possibly a third-place finish in their stacked division. Uh, That's all for football. We'll keep you updated on free agency. Um, but yeah, what do you guys want to want to talk about? Uh, speaking of NFL free agency, did you hear about Colin Kaepernick? I did not. No. CBS Sports reported that five teams contacted Kaepernick's trainer, uh, and that led to King Five picking up a story on on Kaepernick. Yesterday, uh, he said this. He said he's he's ready. What's your message about getting back to the lead after a few years? Where my skills are, and the best way to tell is bring me in for a workout. We have no expectations of what teams will do. But we just want the opportunity to walk in the door and show them what I can do. Nothing but confidence, right? Now, tell me, guys, which which team recently dealt away a franchise superstar? Uh-oh. Okay, I know, I, I know where going. you're going. Yeah, I don't, I don't personally want Kaepernick just with the whole 49ers thing. It's such a, I feel like it'd be weird to have him cheering for the Seahawks because he's a 49er. Because he's a 49er, like it just feels wrong. You know who was more recently a San Francisco 49er don't than Colin say, Kaepernick? Don't say it. I'm gonna say Blaine Gabbard. 
Nick Mullins. Would you feel weird about starting Nick Mullins? Yes. I would not want to start. I would. We can keep Drew, Drew Locke if Nick Mullins is the other option. You know who doesn't feel too weird about playing for Seattle? It's Colin Kaepernick. He said this. Still hopeful? Still hopeful. You know, there's, there's been a lot of conversation around it. Again, we've had conversations with Pete and John previously. As Pete mentioned, we, we've spoken recently and still hoping that door is open and get a chance to walk through it. He's name-checking Pete Carroll and John Schneider to the press. He's practically begging to come here. Yeah, guys... I think Pete Carroll actually said something about wanting to see Colin Kaepernick playing in the league. He said he didn't know if it was with the Seahawks or not, but that he wanted to see Cap in the league. Yeah, that is that is true. I, I don't know about you guys, but I would be thrilled uh, to see Colin Kaepernick as the week one starter for the Seahawks. I'd love to see just like if he's still got it, you know? Yeah, well, I, I don't think he's still got it. So I think that uh, <laughs> I think I'd rather go with Drew Locke on this really? one. Because Drew, Drew Locke, he's been playing for the past couple of years, and I think he's he's probably in better shape than Kaepernick. I don't know. I will say this. I don't think Kaepernick is the best scheme fit. Uh, Shane Waldron's most notable quarterback he's worked with is Jared Goff, a guy who was not very mobile, didn't have the same uh, rushing ability that Cap did, um, and had a much more uh, refined short accuracy uh, and a slightly bigger deep arm than Cap. But he was, he was yeah, okay. I'm, I'm hearing Harry say not very mobile or not very good. Yeah, uh, okay. Jared Goff was no franchise quarterback. Now, that's what Rams found out, you know, and then they trade for a real quarterback and they win the Super Bowl the next year, so... That's true. You can always get an upgrade, I guess, is the message. But I will say one thing, which is that, I don't know about you guys, I'm not a Seahawks fan, full disclosure. Uh, my my trash fire of choice, the Washington Commanders are burning. They, they traded for Carson Wentz, so you're <laughs> welcome for falling on that grenade for you guys. But, I don't know, Drew Locke has, has been really, really bad. Drew Locke has been bad, sure. and part of that is why I want Kaepernick. That's the thing, right? I think Kaepernick has a lower floor than Drew Locke, but I think that you have to admit that... There's really very little upside with Drew Locke. I mean, he had a really talented group of guys around him in Denver in that offense, and he couldn't make anything work. Drew Locke, we all forgot, but like he was getting like sleeper MVP votes after the five-game cameo yeah. he had at the end of his rookie season. There's there is some ceiling in his in his uh, in his game, Drew Locke. You know, there's something to be said that maybe he could become like a type of guy who plays football like peak Andy Dalton. You know, a, a stat padder. Losing in the playoffs? No, but like, you know, he can pad the stat sheets, sure. use a big arm, mm-hmm. uh, and not be the reason your team loses games. If he plays football, if he plays like that sort of like point guard-esque, like late career Peyton Manning football, okay. maybe he could make something of himself there. One question. Yeah. Is that the guy you just traded Russell Wilson for? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you traded Russell Wilson for a guy who won't lose you football games. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. We traded Russell Wilson for a guy who, at his best, won't lose us football games. Got it, got it. And who has, for the past couple of years, been losing his team football games. Yeah. Do you have any other questions, or was that it? <laughs> that was just the one. <laughs> that, was, that was it? Yeah. Don't know why I'm shocked. Anyway, at least we are in better state than the St. Louis Rams, because they got sold to L.A. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, that's that's where I think the Seahawks are. What about what about you, Will? Do you think Kaepernick would make any sense? I think I think he could make some sense. I wouldn't be too opposed to it. Um, but I I also think I was kind of on the Baker train for a bit when I saw how oh. bad Cleveland was treating him. I always have I'm always at the mindset that a player is going to do a lot better right after they get disrespected by their team like mm. that, and that was pretty bad. 
So I was thinking, hey, you know, we pick up Baker, he comes looking for revenge, and we actually throw together a decent season. Um, but I think Cap would definitely be capable of that, capable of that too. I just am uncertain because of how long he's been out of the league. Is certainly I know he's been working out. I'm sure he's in tip top shape, but it's a different game completely. Yeah. Okay. So quarterback competition is a 28 letter four letter word. You could call it seven four letter words if you wanted. But do you think the Seahawks should entertain the possibility of a quarterback competition? Drew Locke is on a pretty affordable second round pick rookie contract. Colin Kaepernick probably wouldn't garner too much more than the league minimum. And there are there there are some uh, people who would say that cap space is the most valuable commodity in the league. I, I think that a quarterback competition, if you can get two guys who've been starters before for less than a fraction of the price of a normal NFL starter, that should be something that you jump at, right? Yeah, I agree, I agree with that. I wouldn't be a, I wouldn't be necessarily opposed to that, but it would be nice to have uh, more of like a set in stone starter just for me. I I like watching that. So what do you think? Personally, I love the idea of a quarterback competition. You get somebody in there fighting for his job on every snap, that'll get you good football. Yeah. I mean, I will say one thing, right? Which uh it's just this, right? Honestly, I don't really think that either Kaepernick or Drew Locke would be a long-term answer. They're not going to be the franchise QB, in my opinion, in Seattle. So I don't see any reason not to let them sort of fight to be the bridge quarterback and wait until you can sort of use a lot of that draft capital you've gotten in the Russell Wilson trade to trade up and make your move while also be putting a watchable product out in the field in the meantime. Yeah, exactly. You know, the the, the thing about Drew Locke is that he could very easily be Colin Kaepernick insurance or Colin Kaepernick could very easily yeah, be exactly, Drew Locke exactly. insurance. That's true. You know, if you go and take a flyer on a bridge quarterback, sometimes you'll have taken a flyer on a guy like Mike Glennon to be your Sam bridge Darnold. quarterback. Sam Darnold. Uh, I mean, Sam Darnold was all right when he was healthy, but yeah. In, in, in Carolina? Yeah. He was all right when he was healthy in Carolina. Once he come back from his injury, he really wasn't the same, though. Yeah, even then. Well, I'll tell you. You know when you know when he wasn't the same, McLean. When when Christian McCaffrey was hurt. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I I watched him in North Carolina actually against the Steelers uh, preseason game. He looked really good then. He did. Um, and that's I'm saying that because I literally do not watch a single game of preseason ever. I don't think many people do. Uh, but him and DJ Moore looked electric in that game. I think they ran it up on the Steelers pretty well. Yeah, um, I think that, you know, when you're getting one bridge quarterback, one bridge quarterback is basically the same as zero bridge quarterbacks is is my thesis. I, th- I have a same similar theory about like pitching depth mm, in mm-hmm. uh, in baseball. If you're bringing in one uh, Band-Aid on your rotation, one Band-Aid is basically zero Band-Aids. Yeah. Uh, I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan by nature. I watched my St. Louis Cardinals at the end of last season uh, have John Lester, J.A. Happ, and Wade LeBlanc in their rotation. If this was 2013, you'd have one of the best rotations. In the oh, league. true. <laughs> listen, I mean, I mean, listen, I, I feel your pain there. Don't forget, I was a Mariners fan back in 2017. Now, McLean, can you answer a question for me? Yeah, yeah. Who led the Mariners, the 2017 Mariners, in innings pitch? Uh, Got to be Ariel Miranda. That is correct. You know who was on that rotation on opening day? Uh, it was Felix Kuma, Paxton. Drew Smiley, have, yeah, our I'm, big offseason pickup as well. I was well. going to say, didn't Drew Smiley literally never pitch for us? He blew out his arm trying to throw 100 in an ex- exhibition game. That's, wow. That's what happened, yes. So, yes, you can never have enough depth, and... Uh, as as my uh, Washington football team or commanders now found out when Fitzpatrick went down immediately. Go Washington commies. Oh, yeah. um, 
Yeah, no, I the people's team. I uh, I really, I, <laughs> I uh, I really my I actually don't know what to do with the NFC East. All of four of those best division in football. You heard it here first. Best division in football. How many Super Bowl titles? More Super Bowl titles than any other division. Okay, how, how many, many Super of Bowl? them come from the Commanders? Three. How many? That's a lot more than the Seahawks. That is, yeah, I was gonna say. How many in years that start with a two? Uh, <laughs> Giants twice, Eagles. That's three. Yeah. Okay. Okay. How many does the NFC West have? Uh, two. two. That's uh, right. NFC East is better. Uh, Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Patriots fan, so you can't NFC West. Patriots NFC fan. I'm West. kidding. I'm not oh, a Patriots okay, good, fan. Good. NFC West has lost a lot of Super Bowls, though. NFC West. Yeah, they're losers. They choke. That's what they do. Man. <laughs> I'm sorry, but, but when like, it comes to when it comes to like having the best team in the league, like the best team in the league is the one that wins the Super Bowl. I agree. The, the, the NFC West has had it less often it. than the NFC East. <laughs> Yeah, okay, fine, whatever. But when it comes to, like, putting up a good regular season that gets fans entertained for 16 mm-hmm, games, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. NFC West has done that a lot more than the In NFC recent East. years, sure, sure. Definitely. I mean, I can't think of a really great team coming out of the NFC East in the past, like, 20 years other than maybe the those Eagles? 2017 Eagles. 2017 Eagles. And that's, uh, again, that's a big maybe. Some of those McNabb teams were pretty good. I mean, if McNabb and T.O. were healthy, they probably beat the Pats in that Super Bowl, right? Big if. I mean, if, sure. Uh, the, I mean, the Eli Manning Giants may not have been great, but they sure were fun and entertaining. That's true. Um, I still have the boat photo saved to my desktop. If, <laughs> the boat photo. If you're willing to expand that to 30 years, then you get to include a Washington team. The last Gibbs Super Bowl was yeah. uh, sort of back then. But then uh, the Cowboys, well, hey, if you expand it 30 years, we also dominated How dare the you interfere with my cherry picking of data? Yeah, I don't know. You I, can't cherry pick data better than me. I mean, then if you expand it back to the 80s, then you get the Montana-era Niners. But on the other hand, you also get all the really good 80s teams from the NFC East. So I think the point is, the NFC East has gotten spat upon. And listen, I think it's I think it's too disrespected. I really do. I think that people really dismiss it out of hand a little too much. Because it wasn't a good division last year, but it wasn't awful. It produced a you know a, a division winner that was respectable in the Cowboys and a wildcard team. Your that's, Cowboys that's lost to Jimmy Garoppolo. I hate the Cowboys. They're my rival. They're my team's rivals. The but. NFC East's Cowboys lost to Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, well, who else lost to Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh, if you're going to say the Seahawks, not the Seahawks. We actually swept no, the 49ers last year. I mean, but the Rams, the eventual Super Bowl champions, lost to the to That's the true, but they also beat them twice. twice. No, no. Oh, no, you're right. They they, they lost. And, by the way, can we? Can I got to put a question after the group. Because, listen, I've been having a discussion with my buddy Andrew, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hi, and Andrew. She, hi, Andrew, if you're listening. Uh We've been having this discussion, right? He loves, loves, loves Kyle Shanahan. Yeah? You know, offensive mm-hmm. genius, great guy. He, the man can't hold a playoff lead to save his life. True. Yeah. When does that begin to put him on the hot seat? Andrew says, not at all. You know, he's just that good. You got to take, you got to roll with the punches, Andy Reid style. You know, accept that he's not going to be a clutch coach because he puts the team on such a higher level. My question to sort of the group as a whole is, is Kyle Shanahan on that level? Are you willing to sort of keep giving him chance after chance after chance, even as he has struggled to sort of live up to expectations in the playoffs. Do you know how rare good head coaches are in the NFL? Harry, I asked that to you. Do you know how rare good head coaches are in I'm the NFL? I'm a Washington fan, so I'm going to yes. say yes. Would you, as a Washington fan, rather have Kyle Shanahan than the last 10 or so years of Jay Gruden and Ron Rivera? I'd probably have Ron Rivera. I mean, he's not that bad. That's true, that's true. But if you consider, if you consider... Um, the where the Niners were before mm-hmm. finding Kyle Shanahan. Well, pretty good with Jim Harbaugh, and then they randomly fired him. They were good with Jim struggle. Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh lost a power struggle. 
And then they won like two games in like three seasons. Who was their coach? It was Chip Kelly? Chip Kelly. I forgot all about Chip, Chip Kelly. Kelly's the, Chip the 49er. Kelly. Oh my god. That is the ultimate remember this guy. Chip Kelly. Well, there's also Mike Singletary, 49er head coach. <laughs> they have a lot of random that. head coaches. Chip Kelly, go Bruins. Uh, you a Bruins fan? No, I'm not. I just <laughs> I, I just find it funny to sarcastically uh, you know, hype up Chip Kelly. Uh Chip Kelly's Bruins are on tomorrow, right? March Madness? No? Oh. Okay. Oh. Uh, they are, yeah. They play UNC. Okay, thank you. Um, People yeah. are just picking them to go all the way this are year. Are they really? I don't know. I mean, I guess with Gonzaga out of the way. Oh, don't even remind me. <laughs> Every yeah. time it, uh, someone brings it up, I just get like slightly more upset. We got to talk about that before the before our break. Um, we got to talk about that. How, how are you guys' brackets doing? Oh, destroyed. Well, Absolutely yeah. destroyed. You I had picked Kentucky, Kentucky winning, winning. And then I did, I did another one for the Sweet 16. I had Gonzaga winning. So yeah. it's just like, destroy it. Can't win. No, At some point, you just got to give up, right? Creed, yeah. did you fill out a bracket this year? I'm currently undefeated because I did not make a bracket. Well, so, that's one way. That's yeah. smart. That's smart. It, just it's like me, one Creed. way to do it, yeah. No, I wanted to make a bracket that got caught up in finals for my Bellevue College and just never made it. So Just casually figures out a way to work that you're at Bellevue College yeah. onto a sports <laughs> show. <laughs> but yeah, okay, Creed. Uh, no, Will, how's I, your bracket I doing? I wish I made a bracket, though. How's your bracket, Will? Horrible. Uh, as someone had who had Gonzaga going all the way, I'm sure you can imagine what happened. I actually did have Chapel Hill beating Baylor. I want to point that out. Um, but that's really like the only major win I think I've had. Uh, aside from that, I had Kentucky going pretty deep. Uh, I had Arizona certainly making it farther than they did. I, had, I think I had Duke. Yeah, no, I had Duke losing to Gonzaga. So it's been a rough year for me yeah, in the uh, i i had yeah. one year where i had like an amazing bracket uh, but that was that like year. 3 years ago so yeah I'm still missing those days i actually made a second sweet 16 bracket but that one is just my absurd one i have st peter's winning that's I fun mean, that's fun yeah so i don't know that'll Maybe. be a fun bracket to like find in your screenshots folder in a couple of years yeah that'll be funny man can i really believe i had 15 seeded st peter's winning at all Go Peacocks. Yeah, let's go Peacocks. I think they'll win. Let's go. That's Peacock my hot take. Peacock up. If they, they actually momentum. do win by some miracle, I will find this audio. And I don't know. I'll just gloat. We'll dig this up. I mean, yeah. Lord knows it never gets deleted. The uh, FCC will see to that. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, go Peacocks. Uh, we're going to take a uh, very short break on the water break. We will be right back in uh, just over three minutes. We're going to talk about baseball. I'm so excited. Stay tuned on 88.9 The Bridge. KMIH 88.9 The Bridge, bringing the world's music to the Northwest. That from 88 Rising on 88.9 The Bridge. I am McLean welcoming you all back into the water break with a uh, large cast of... Oh, Cy, Harry, Will, and Creed. Yeah, baby. And we're going to talk about uh, my favorite sport. We're going to talk baseball. Oh, yeah. Now, your Seattle Mariners are opening in just a couple of weeks, April 7th. That's right. Are you guys excited? Of course. Yeah, yeah I'm very excited. I am over the moon. Uh, what do you guys think 
about the Mariners last year. Did you guys watch any Mariners baseball last year? I cannot say I did. <laughs> I, I watched a good amount. I think they just missed the playoffs. That's right. It was very yeah. exciting. One game. They missed the playoffs by one game. Yeah, okay, I, I would like to amend that. I watched like a little bit at the end. I think I watched like one of the make or break games. That's yeah. it. That's a that's literally my entire baseball experience for last okay, year. Okay, so let me recap uh, the 2021 Mariners season. It was pretty all right. Uh, the Mariners went 90 and 72 last year. They won that's 90 it. games. It was their best season since 2003. They missed the playoffs, even though 90 wins normally gets you there. Uh, Pythagorean wins, which is a metric that essentially looks at your run differential, how many runs you scored versus how many you allowed, and tells you how many games you should have won, says we should have won like 78. That's right. It was not many. Mm. We won 90 because we got lucky. The bullpen, uh, which was filled with a bunch of converted starters, guys like Paul Seawald, Drew Steckenrider, uh, punched well above its weight. A lot of guys really found a second wind to their careers by moving to the bullpen. Uh, and Kyle Seeger, who recently retired, had an all-time great season uh, as a clutch hitter. He was a 132 mm-hmm. OPS plus guy uh, with guys on base, which means that he was 32% better than the league average hitter. But with guys on, he was a 65 OPS plus guy, he w- which means that he was worth 65% of the average hitter. OPS plus is a uh, what's called a weighted stat, which baseball has because baseball fans are so bored that they will invent stats that average out where 100 is normal. You know, baseball fans have nothing to do. There's a reason they're watching baseball. I love those analytics. But by the way... Weighted stats are so much fun. OPS Plus isn't just weighted for uh, average. It's also weighted for park factor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, (laughs) so, which reminds me, uh, park factor. So, because the place where the Mariners play, T-Mobile Park, is a little bit home run suppressant. It's a little bit pitcher friendly. It's uh, harder to hit there than it would be to hit in, say, Coors Field. Or Yankee Stadium. Or yeah. Yankee Stadium. Short porch. Short porch in Yankee results in a lot of home runs. And Coors Field, there's no air up there. So. <laughs> even with the humidor, it doesn't really matter. Even with the humidor, there is uh, nothing to knock down the home run balls. Anyway. Uh, Kyle Seeger was not very good when he didn't need to be clutch. Yeah. Kyle Seeger had an all-time great clutch season. Uh, you might remember some of his notable walk-offs, like walking off the Rays as a pinch hitter. Yeah, um, that was a great series, by the way. Was I was at series. the uh, Father's Day Sunday game where my one of my favorite guys who the team let go, tragically, Shedlong Shed Jr., uh, he hit a walk-off grand slam. I remember that. And I was physically there. That was one of that's one of the best experiences. Another really fun game I wasn't able to catch in person but watched on the TV was they did the Seattle Steelheads game. Yes. A tribute uh to the Negro Leagues team. Yeah. And uh that was also a really fun game. I think JB Crawford hit a grand slam in that game. Yeah, uh he he did. He did. That one was awesome. Uh my favorite Mariners game of the last season was um actually a road game was Dylan Moore's uh grand slam against Houston. That one was awesome. Okay, well, there's two games that I have to think of. One of the games is that it's just the, probably the best game of the season objectively, where the Mariners were down like nine to nothing or something against the Astros, yeah. and they came all the way back. Oh, that was a good one. That, I watched it on TV, but I'm kind of biased to um, there was a game that I was physically at, and it was against the Angels. And uh, the Mariners were sort of going down throughout the game, and then eighth inning, bases loaded, two outs, Mitch Hanniger, grand slam. Nice. That was that was a fun one to be at, and I was wearing my Hanniger All Star jersey from 2018. Gotta so. love Mitch Hanniger, one of my guys. That guy is the ultimate gem in the rough. Yeah, like he was the afterthought of a trade to get Gene Segura. 
How how often, Harry, do you think about Gene Segura? With J.P. Crawford playing the way he is, I mean, every time I see Crawford, you know, hit okay, I'm like, ah, I remember Gene Segura. Then I watch him field, and I'm like, you know, I'm I'm really glad we have Crawford, not Gene, because Gene <laughs> he had an arm, but he had no range, so. You know, it's kind of nice to see an actual gold glover out there at short. There is a reason the Phillies have Segura playing second now. <laughs> so apparently they gave the uh, shortstop role to Didi, so they yeah. clearly were not. And with their free agent acquisitions, both Schwarber and Castellanos, they apparently don't care about fielding. I mean, you know what they say, the Phillies don't really own gloves. They I just kind of go out there barehanded, all Ma- eight of them. McLean, they're an NL team. They didn't really understand when they saw universal DHs coming to the NL. They thought all of their hitters would be DHs. <laughs> They thought they could just like get the triple A team out there. Have I think those that guys was the field. plan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I mean, it's, we love to dunk on uh, guys who can't play defense at the MLB level for not being able to play defense at the MLB level. But I unironically think that I could play a better third base than anybody on the Phillies roster currently. I don't know. Bryce Harper could probably play a decent third base. He's got an arm. Oh, uh, that's true. That's true. I mean, low standards, though. Low but still, standards. you know, when, when Bryce Harper is the best third baseman on your roster, that's how you know things are getting pretty dark. Yeah, I mean... Who is the Phillies' everyday third baseman anyway? Is it Hoskins? No, no, no. They've got um Alec Bohm. Bohm, boom. Alec Bohm? Yeah. yeah. He's still there. He's still huh. there. He was okay a couple of seasons ago. Still hanging out? Anyway, we're, we're not talking about him. We're not talking about him. We're talking about your Seattle Mariners. <laughs> how many games do you think they're winning? Anyone can answer. I'll go between 80 and 90 this year. Between 80 and 90? No, give me a number. You're so boring. Come on. Okay, fine. Uh, I'll go with, I think I'm going to go with 82. 82, okay. Just over 500. Yeah, just over 500. I think that could be expected from them. I mean, after how they did last year, I think they could be somewhere around there this year. All right, nice. Harry, what do we think? Yeah, so I have a lot of thoughts about that, but basically what I'll, I'll, I'll sum it down to, I think that this team, you know, I can see on the script we're going to talk a lot about the acquisitions. But I think there's a lot of reasons why the team did a little bit worse. You know, they clearly, as you mentioned, the run differential was pretty ugly, but they were very badly injured. And they had things like we were running bullpen days for an entire month of the season. Oh, yeah. More than a month. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty bad. So I think that this team is firmly capable of 90 wins plus assuming health. Assuming. Yeah. Obviously, injuries throw that all out the window. But 90 wins plus minus a couple of games. 90 wins. That's crazy. Will, do you want to take a shot? Uh, I really don't know much about it, but I'll kind of put myself in between you guys. I'll go 87. That's 87. Sidney Crosby's number. So. All right. Cy? I'm going to go uh, optimistic. I'm going to go 92. 92? Mm. Mm, I like it. I like it. Y'all are crazy. I, don't you know the first rule of baseball? I mean, regression to the mean. <laughs> I, I mean, we, we filled out our bullpen last year. We got a lot of guys, uh, I, I mentioned earlier, converted starters became yep. our bullpen guys. Guys like, like Steckenrider, Seawald. Uh, and late in the season, we tried to do the same with Justice Sheffield. Didn't really work. And uh, Kendall Graveman, who was a force earlier in the season, that guy was one of the top relievers in the league. Uh, converted starter, couldn't make it work as a starter for the Mariners. Had to give up his rotation spot due to injury in the 2020 short season. Um, but still, I, I wonder how many instances, sorry, this is a side tangent, but I wonder uh, how many instances an opening day starter has ever had to go to the bullpen less than three years removed after being an opening day starter. It can't be that many, can it? Right? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I need I need I need John Boy and Secret Base to make a <laughs> video about this. I this is a hole I need filled in my life. John, if you're listening. <laughs> anyway, I'm I'm gonna say the Mariners win 
I wanted to say 82 games. Um, I'm not very optimistic. That's your problem. Assuming health is the most dangerous thing in the world. Oh, yeah. Do you know? Do you know who the Mariners' like sixth starter would be if the season started today? Once you get past all the guys, once you get past everybody in the rotation, we don't even have a fifth starter. So <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> Robbie Ray in there. Marco. Chris Flexen in there, Marco in there, Logie. Logan Gilbert mm-hmm. in there. But we traded away Brandon Williamson, and he was supposed to be the guy who would like debut I, by midseason. I didn't like Brandon Williamson that much. He had some lingering shoulder issues, and I thought he was a little overrated. Personally. I thought he Pro- was. I thought that he was a crafty lefty, and the Mariners love crafty lefties. I do love crafty lefties, but I'd rather trade for a crafty lefty who doesn't have nagging shoulder injuries and profiles as a middle reliever, respectfully. That's yeah, that's fair. like the fact that we got Jesse Winker. By the way, in that deal, that Brandon Williamson deal, Jesse Winker. Hit was the best hitter against righties last year. I know. He couldn't hit lefties, but he could hit righties so, so well. And that, I'm so excited. What did he have, like a 178 WRC exactly plus? Right. And if you platoon him with Terenz, who absolutely slaughtered lefties to the tune of 150, that platoon is like an average OPS plus of like 160. Yeah, if that's your DH spot, you can do a lot worse than that. My only issue then is who do you stick in left? Yeah, you guys are speaking in some sort of different language. Yeah. <laughs> uh, OPS plus. I feel like if this were if this were a transcript, it would look like hieroglyphics. <laughs> it sounds very smart, though. Oh I'm, well, I'm I'll, sure. I'll give you actually the easy rundown. So OPS is on base plus slugging. So basically, you take the decimal value of a percentage. So, like for example, if you get on base forty percent of the time, you have a on base a percentage of four hundred. Right? Okay, that I'm I understand those exactly. terms. So then you have slugging, which is sort of it's bases like, per at exactly. It's bases. So you know how when you get an average, no matter what kind of hit you get, it increases your average. Yeah. Well, slugging accounts for like, well, what if you get a double? You get you know two basically, right? Uh... Or a home run gives you four bases because you get so it counts for it's sort of weighted average. So if you combine on base plus slugging, you get OPS, and it's generally considered to be the baseline benchmark easiest to come up with statistic that evaluates an overall hitter because you got some guys who get on base a ton but they don't hit the ball very far so why would they so then you have guys who don't get on base as much but when they hit the ball they absolutely destroy it right okay so ops plus as mclean mentioned is your ops over the league average ops uh to the point where then if league average is 100 then you are either over or under 100 and every point over 100 you are is a percent uh the percent you are better than the average hitter so, so if you from okay. from what I understand, you're saying they're about seventy percent over the average header, just yeah. in terms of yes. Wow. Okay, yeah. that is impressive. So yeah, yeah you can really get that idea. And of course, OPS plus also adjusts for park factors. We mentioned, you know, depending on where you play. So even if you play in a really hitter friendly park, they adjust for that too. So you can apply it to any hitter. Yeah. So like like, uh, do you know the name Trevor Story? It sounds familiar. Trevor Story was a uh, Colorado Rocky, longtime Colorado Rocky. Played in course, hit a ton of home runs because, I, again, you it's could... It's easy to do it up there. Pretty, yeah, exactly. You could pretty much hit a baseball out of Coors Field with a putter. Um, <laughs> it's it's really easy to hit a lot of home runs there. Uh, he now plays uh, not for the Rockies anymore, which means that he should see fewer home runs. But because OPS already took his park factor into account, they already saw him as a pretty good hitting shortstop rather than the great hitting shortstop that his traditional stats would lead you to believe he is. Um, speaking of, of of guys like that, you know who the, the, the weighted stats, uh, you know who the weighted stats really loved last year? Jared Kelnick. His yeah. traditional stats looked really bad because he went like 0 for 50 that one time. He he had a okay, pretty oh, bad... You can't say that one time because those... <laughs> see, here's Sorry, the thing. he went 0 for 50 those 50 Least times. delusional Mariners fan. <laughs> he went 0 for 50, as in for 50 consecutive... I believe it was 48 to be clear. 48 yeah. consecutive at-bats did not get a hit. 
That's rough. And he says, and McLean says he did it once. Most people never do that. It was really rough, and they sent him down after that. Now, McLean will be eager to tell you that he looked a lot better when he came back up later in the season. I'm he a did. big Kelnick believer, to be clear. I, I too am a Kelnick believer. I mean, I've uh, uh, been scorned by one too many hot young Mariners prospects. Um, you know, Dustin Ackley springs to mind, but Kelnick was a guy who did really well in the in the second half of the season. Uh, after his call up, he hit 248, which is like pretty average hitter. But he also hit a lot of home runs. He hit more home runs than guys who were playing every day for the team. He he hit more home runs than Dylan Moore, who actually played in more games than almost everybody on the Mariners. He hit more home runs than J.P. Crawford, who only missed, like, two. He hit more home runs, uh, I believe he almost caught Kyle Seeger. It was crazy. He out-hit Ty France, who didn't miss more than a month. Um, but he went on an insane power streak. He had a 135 WRC plus over the time, which... Uh, for the less statistically inclined, is weighted runs created plus. Essentially, it's similar to OPS plus in that it weights the value of the runs you create. So if you get a home run, you've created a run. Um, yeah. But if you get on base with few guys out, that also creates an uh, an almost equal percentage of a run. So if I get a double, if I lead off the inning with a double, that means that I've created a chance in which I score sixty percent of the time. So I've created like six tenths of a run. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a pretty cool stat. I enjoy it. And Kelnick had a 135 WRC+, plus, which means that he was 35% better at creating runs than the average hitter. It was, it was a very good month for, for Jared Kelnick. Um, and for that reason, I, I think the Mariners can hit. I think we might see a similar season to like the 2016 Mariners, wherein they, they slugged. Their young players developed, and they could hit. But the pitching just completely fell apart. I don't think it'll be as bad as 2017 when we were sending guys like like uh I'm I'm trying to remember that guy's name. Um Harry, do you remember the name of that guy that we started against the Athletics in that random game? Uh we called him up from like Double A, had never played above Double A and oh, he was starting this like This year? Uh no, no, no. The, I think we had a guy like that this we year. We had that guy's Darren McCon. I remember Darren him. It's actually um, McCoggan. McCoggan? Yeah, I know. Is it really McCoggan? It's McCoggan. Wow. I don't have him in in our in our uh pronunciation guide. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh God, we had a lot of guys like yeah, that. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I'm I'm putting you on the spot. His name uh, it started with an A. If that helps, I I can't say I I have it off the top of my head. <laughs> I don't know. I'll remember it in like the middle of the like Islanders baseball broadcast, and I'll randomly unmute my mic here in the middle of the fourth, yeah, exactly. and I'll be like, guys, it was uh Austin Malone or something. I was really hoping it would come. Do you remember today. Tommy Malone? In I 2019? do. That was rough. that guy was that guy was better than we give him credit for. He was better, but he, like people were getting like excited, like let's yeah. get pumped up for Tommy Malone starts. And it's like, Ooh. but I will say one thing, which is McLean. I your your pessimism is well founded. As a Mariners fan, I totally understand. However, I'm going to say this team is different. Okay. Yeah. And I know that's what that's what we always say, and it hasn't been true yet. But this time, this time is different. And the reason I think is this: that 2016 team. I mean, here's the problem with the Mariners, right? Yeah. They don't have – they need another starter, factually. That's, yes. that's, that's, that's just the truth. But they're not lacking for actual pitching depth. They have plenty of guys who could step up, right? Sheffield could bounce back. We have uh, Matt Brash. Yeah. Uh, Levi Stout as well. Those are three guys who are all well-regarded. In fact, I believe Brash is he's a, a he's top, a top 100. 100 prospect. He's our number eight prospect overall, and he's uh, one of our top pitching prospects. So – 
Again, like depending on what site you use. Some some have yeah. them as high as number five. So depending on, yeah, I mean, that's an a- aggregate is I think eight. But the point is he's not – like it's not like we don't have guys. The question that you're really asking is do you really want to trust that guy in a year you're supposed to be trying to make the playoffs? Which the answer, answer I believe, is genuinely no. There will probably be injuries – so you'll probably give him a chance anyway, but I'd much rather not enter with Justice Sheffield as our number five starter. I'd rather see him try and pitch his way into the rotation. So I think we still need to get another uh, pitcher, but I will say that we are a little better off because what we lack in actually quality proven back end talent, we do we make up for in having a ton of young depth and pitching. That's true. That's definitely true. Um, now. One key player I want to highlight very quickly uh, before the show ends. We're we're nearly out of time. But one guy, one pitcher that I think is key to understanding how far the Mariners go, I think the keystone to this all is Marco Gonzalez. Marco is the longest tenured Mariner currently. Um, yeah. May Kyle Seeger's career rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Um, Marco is a guy who started off the year pretty poorly but ended the year really strong. I mean, down the stretch, in the last two months of the season, almost nobody was pitching as well as Marco. He had a .89 whip, which means that he was only allowing he was allowing less than one batter to reach base every inning, if you take out all the reaching on errors and stuff, and the hit-by-pitches. Um, he had a 2.6 ERA. That's elite. That's, uh, for reference, the Cy Young winner last year, Robbie Ray, had like a 2.10. Yeah. It was very good. Um, opponents hit under 200 against him, which means that less than 20% of the guys he faced got a hit. And for the first time in his career, he doesn't have to be the ace. If Marco performs well, if we see Marco as an ace, we, the Mariners could very well have two of the best pitchers in the American League. It's boom and bust, but the Mariners could be great. Anyway, uh, with that, I think we're going to wrap up here. Thank you all for listening to The Water Break, the best sports show on the bridge. (laughs) Uh, For Harry, Cy, Creed, and Will, I'm McLean, and we are signing off. Uh, Come back and listen to uh, baseball in just a couple hours. We start at 6. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned. You're listening to KMIH Mercer Island. Thank you for tuning in.